0: How good's a Friday? Boofah! Oh, hard man to put down Murphy What's So Ben, this is I Four from Wednesday Warriors. I hope you're doing well, brother. There is Sean Stevenson, the step, breaking Stevenson! Out the back, Bergen, out wide. Good sir. North got score out wide. Fantastic try. Oh yes, good boy. Hey guys, Surly here, episode 21, really starting to rack them up now, fresh off the back of a huge weekend of sporting action, back-to-back barnstormers all weekend long, but before we get into that, not much to report in the weekend antics department, of course she's level 3 footy in Auckland still, although boy am I fizzed at the addition of the park steam up to this weekend's menu. Haven't got shit-faced in a park since Christmas in the park 2008. So really looking forward to that. Great time to be in the picnic game as well. And no doubt the team at Rex Services, Terry Seymour and the crew, they've been out getting the grounds prepared perfectly for ripping and tearing. So if you've got picnics planned for this weekend, all the best. And keep me tuned on how you go. Right, on today's agenda, we're going to wrap up some Rugby League for the last time this season. Really does bring a tear to my eye. Then we're going to talk some All Blacks versus South Africa, a bit of Bunnings Far Cup, the Magic Multi, and, of course, the Q&A. Huge fizz. Right, there comes a time every year when God's game comes to an end, and unfortunately, that time is upon us now. But before we set our eyes on the Warriors winning the Premiership in 2022, we were treated to a heck of a grand final on Sunday night, and what a way to end another magnificent season of footy. And as predicted, she was a good old-fashioned rugby league arm wrestle, and as per the cliche, the better side on the day won – And full credit must go to the boys, of course. She was a heck of a shift. And look, it's a well-known fact, and I like to think it is anyway. When God sat down with a pad and pen and created the great game of rugby league, a.k.a. God's game, he started by drawing three pillars. And on each pillar, he wrote a capital D. And when asked what this meant, and I believe this is a direct quote, he said, dackle, dackle, dackle. And he explained the three pillars represented what the game was built around and that, in fact, defense does win championships. And boy, was he correct. The 80 minutes we witnessed on Sunday night really did reinforce this. That Penrith defense, absolutely outstanding. And couple that up with Nathan Cleary's kicking game, and that really did set the mighty Penrith Panthers up for a famous grand final victory. And from the opening kickoff, Penrith looked to be in control, and boy, was there some big contact, which is exactly what you want from your grand final footy. Both sides really rolling up their sleeves. That Penrith pack really did take it to an informed South Middle and Cleary Masterclass with the boot allowed Penrith to well and truly dominate possession and territory. The first meat pie, she came in the seventeenth minute. Maddie Burden, the old future bulldog, dotting down in the left-hand corner, a bad defensive read by Campbell Graham, and then shit, almost straight away, four minutes later to be in fact, the Crip Walker, old Cody Walker, C Walks, scored an absolute barnstormer of a try. He was fending blokes off left, right, and center like Karen of 50-fucking-wax fame. Fuck off! Fuck off! Fuck off! Fuck off! <laughs> Fuck the fucking off. But what a try. One of the great individual grand final efforts. Then seven minutes before halftime, Cleary banged over a two-pointer, and that allowed the Panthers to head into halftime up eight rugby league points to six. And then in the second stanza, she was much of the same. Big collisions, big carries, ticking all the boxes, the fundamentals of rugby league. And then the turning point of the game, 67th minute, Seawalks looking hot on attack the bunnies. He throws a cutout ball, a real make or break play, fuck it, finals footy. And unfortunately for Souths fans, she was picked off by big Stephen Crichton, who galloped away from about 40 out to score in the corner, take the lead to six points, and Penrith well and truly looking odds on to come away with the dub. But just when you thought the game was over, a good old rugby league roller coaster, the bunnies, they bounce back, try to Alex Johnson, and the end of some nice play from that crazy bunnies right edge. Unfortunately, normally the Clutch Reynolds, he couldn't quite bang it over. And then one minute short of full time, he also missed a long range two point field goal attempt. She fell short, and then the Panthers, too good. They managed to hold on in the final minute. And that was all she wrote, absolute scenes as the hooter blowed. And look, there were some unreal images as that final whistle blew, seeing Nathan and Ivan Cleary, father and son, embraced like that after winning the championship. That was pretty bloody special. It reminded me of when my dad coached me, under eight, Kumu, We went the season undefeated, won the comp, truly was something special. Absolute scenes at the Searle household that night. And boy, did that bring back some great flashbacks. But to the Clearies, what a shift from them. And I was stoked to see both Nathan and Ivan finally get their first rings. And also the Panthers boys in general, who had absolute heartbreak last year, losing the final, but then they managed to bounce back, get out there the following year and win it, which is bloody good to see. And boy, did they celebrate post-game too. Really does warm the heart, seeing a huge shift being put in on the Waitakere daiquiris. Nothing tastes better than winner's piss. And some of the boys were still in their playing kit, strapping tape and all, two days later on the Tuesday, which is a heck of a shift from them. And then to see photos of them sending it with the All Blacks as well, back at the team hotel, curtains drawn, that was huge fizz too. And I tell you what, heck of a time to be in the blinds business If you're a blackout blind supplier on the Gold Coast, you'll be loving having the NRL boys based up there because every photo you see of them drinking, not just the Panthers boys, but all the teams, the blinds are down to block out the onlookers. So the men at big blinds must be absolutely raking it in from these NRL benders. But unfortunately for every winner, there is a loser. And boy, was it hard to see guys like Reynolds and of course the great Benji Marshall Upset after the final whistle. Reynolds, an absolute legend of South Sydney and Benji and what was his final game of NRL. Would have been great to see them both leave as winners, but it is what it is. And all eyes now move forward to a huge 2022 season. And boy, am I already ticking off the days on the calendar. Pre-season starts for some of the teams in November. There's no rest for the wicked. And I can't wait to see the Warriors boys back out on there on the park. So bring it on. It's our year, baby. And let the off season begin. But of course, before we move on from Rugby League and the six more bell rings, Wednesday was a bloody sad day for Rugby League with the great Benji Marshall announcing his retirement from the game post the grand final loss. And Benji, he debuted in 2003, played 346 NRL games, the most of any Kiwi player ever, and he also played 31 tests for New Zealand, including that famous 2008 Grand Final win over the mighty Aussies. He won a comp in 2005 with arguably the most resly play ever seen on the NRL field, the flick pass of doom, to not only set up a try, but inspire millions of players across Australia and New Zealand to start throwing flick passes themselves. I, for one, was tearing up the front lawn out in Kumu, trying to nail the old Benji Goosey to Flick Pass combo. And look, you could ask Kimbo, and she'll say, I'm still tearing up the lawn to this day, a moment that will forever be remembered in rugby league history. So we say goodbye to one of the game's greats, a skinny kid from Whakatane. He went over to Australia to chase his dream. In front of our eyes, he turned from a boy to a man, a heck of a football player, and more importantly, a heck of a bloke, and a role model to not only his own kids, but kids all around Australasia. So farewell, Benji. Enjoy your retirement, you legend. And as a tribute to you, I'll only be throwing flick passes and social touch this season in your honour. So go well, son, one of the game's greats, and a future immortal in my books. Right. Onto to international footy now, and Struth, what a difference a week makes. Prior to the second test between the All Blacks and the Springboks, like many, I thought she was going to be all one-way traffic, and the boys in black were going to come out and absolutely dominate after a frustrating performance for them the week before. And to be fair, I expected the Springboks to show up with the same game plan, kick the stuffing out of the pill, but boy... Was I wrong? And all week we were asking for the Springboks to come to play and come to play they did. They scored the first try of the game in the sixth minute off the back of an all-black mistake. Unfortunately, Cody Taylor spilled the pill in our own 22. But then the pass from Lucano Arm was razzle-dazzle footy at its finest. Even Benji would have been jealous of that flick pass. Around the body, one-handed to Big Delande, put him over in the corner. And from then on, she was bums on seats stuff. And what unfolded in the remaining minutes ensured this game would go down as another classic between these two famous rivals. There were constant lead changes throughout the game. Physicality deluxe, five meat pies in total and some clutch nudges from both sides. This game well and truly had it all. And the All Blacks had their chances to steal it late. Down 20 to 25 with 12 minutes to go. That man, Geordie Barrett, stepped up for a great nudge, brought the game back within two points, and then four minutes to go, his boot again got us in the lead, 26 points to 25, before Elton Yanches. he busted out the Springbok special, a drop goal to give the box the lead with a minute to go. And to be fair, I thought that might have been game, but 79th minute, All Blacks get a penalty. Bitcoin Barrett once again, takes his foot off the clutch, nudges one over, gives us a one point lead. And that had me up and about doing the biggins, fist pumps of doom, celebrating what I thought was a famous nudge for a famous win. But then unfortunately for all blacks fans all over the globe, 83rd minute Elton Yanchis again, nudges a penalty over from right in front off the back of a cheap penalty to give the box a win. 31 points to 29. And look, credit to the All Blacks. They were much better than they were the week before when they got the win. But the Springboks, well and truly a step up in this game. There were some worrying signs there too for All Blacks fans. That big South African pack at times just rolled through the middle of the field. Their ball carriers getting gain line easy on consecutive phases, which reminded me a lot of that World Cup semi-final against England We were unable to stop their big pack in their tracks, and they really did dominate the contact zone, which gave them great momentum. For the All Blacks, I thought Artie, the inspirational skipper, he was great again. Gets through a mountain of work, especially in a pack that was dominated for large parts of the game. thought Geordie Barrett was outstanding again. He's confirmed he's the number one guy to wear the 15 jersey for me on the Northern Hemisphere Tour, so well done to him. Enrico Rico he was also good, setting up a great try for Artie. Huge display of his pace and power. And he has had a great rugby championship. So huge fizz for Big Rico. So unfortunately, the Springboks, they got the dub. They denied the All Blacks of the Grand Slam. And it also prevented them from doing what no other All Blacks team has done before. And that is claim 15 straight wins in a calendar year. So there's a little-known rugby union fact for you. And, of course, we still walk away rugby championship champs. There's a real mouthful for you. And also low champs. And a lot of positive signs coming out of this competition. So bring on the Northern Tour. Stopping over in Washington on the way to pound the Americans in a couple weeks' time. But then that game against Wales, 31st of October, that should be an absolute beauty. And I can't wait to see the boys taking on the best of the North in a couple weeks' time. Up the mighty ab's right on to the old bunnings far cup now and unfortunately she was pretty tough news for the three auckland-based clubs yesterday the new zealand rugby union announcing the government has once again declined the travel exemptions that will mean the tournament will proceed without auckland harbour and counties and to me This was really tough to swallow, and I can't quite get my head around it. The boys, they've ticked all the boxes. They're double-vaxxed. They're willing to get tested before leaving Auckland. They're going to stay in their own bubbles wherever they went to and just train to get ready for the comp. And I get that people think there shouldn't be special treatment for sports players, but with a lot of people getting exemptions now, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And for these guys and their clubs, This is how they make their money and provide for themselves and their families. And I think people often forget about that. And I also really feel for the young guys getting their first crack at provincial footy this year and those on the fringe of making super rugby sides playing to try and impress and try and get a contract. This could have a massive impact on their playing careers. So that is also another real bummer as a result of this decision. But the show must go on. And there's talks of the three teams playing in a Super City comp, or for the COVID Cup as I've named it, once we go to level two, whenever that may be. So at least we'll get to see these three sides play some footy again this year. In the meantime, though, the MPC draw will be revised. The competition will continue. In round six, she gets underway tonight with a blockbuster of a game, Wellington vs Canterbury. Should be a beauty. Both sides with an all-black returning into the mixer. Dane Cole starts in the two jersey for the Lions. Whitelock in the five for Canterbury. Bums on seat stuff in lounges all across New Zealand. And no doubt many are keen to see how these two go on their return before linking up with the ABs. Then on your Super Saturday, we have a double header first game is a ram shield game as well and a huge ram shield challenge at that hawks bay hosting the competition favorites the defending champs the tasman markle and unfortunately for the bay i think this might be where their shield reign comes to an end but shit if you know one thing about this team they won't go down without a hell of a fight so she should be an absolute beauty And then following that, we have Otago hosting the Naki down there in Dunedin. That'll be a real arm wrestle as well, and you'd be stupid to ride off the home side. And then to finish off the round, Super Sunday, Southland hosting the Turbos. The boys from the Deep South will be looking to bounce back after a big defeat at the hands of Tasman last weekend, so that should be another good contest. Overall this week, I'm tipping Canterbury to get the win, Tasman to win the Shield, Otago to beat the Naki and the Turbos to get another win with Aaron Smith at the helm. So multi that up, and hopefully she's happy days. You can thank me on Monday morning. Right, speaking of tips, time for the old magic multi. And of course, with no NRL now, she looks a little different this weekend. I've gone with three NFL games, some MLB finals action, and of course, Had to have a lick on a horse. She wouldn't be the magic multi without it. So for the NFL, I've gone with three games all head-to-head. I've gone the Tampa Bay Bucks to beat the Dolphins. I've gone the Packers to beat the Bengals. Aaron Rodgers will be too good on that one. And then I've gone the Tennessee Titans to beat the Jags. Boy, have they had a tough week. Their coach wrapped up in scandal, been playing up on the wife. So I think that'll be a huge distraction for them and they will have another loss. So I've gone all those three head-to-head. Then for your MLB, I've gone with the Giants with the plus one-and-a-half line up against the defending champs, the Dodgers. Giants been bloody good this year, so surprised to see them underdogs for this one. And then I've gone the Brewers head-to-head versus the Braves in that second finals game. And then in the Ponies, I've gone on Caulfield, race six, The Great Probabil, paying $6.50 for the win. And look, I was bloody surprised at these odds when I first saw them. Then I realized Zaki is in the race, and she's the clear favorite. So a little bit of caution on this one, but I think if anyone can push her, it would be the Great Probabil. So worth chucking in there to really bolster the odds up. $10 on that pays a handsome $765.20, which should well and truly allow you to send it on your picnics this weekend, and hopefully the boys get up for a famous win. Right, time for the old Q&A, and as per usual, they've come flying in from all directions, so let's rip into it. The first one comes through from the great Ryan Pert, heck of a New Zealander. Unfortunately, he went to Rosmini, but that is not his fault. And he says, Tyler Hero, six man of the year with a question mark. And look, that is a bloody good suggestion. And I actually happened to chuck some money on Tyler Hero on Wednesday to win six man of the year. He's paying $26 at the moment. So in my opinion, chuck a quarter of the house on it. Great odds. And he is a real shot. And look, he had a tough year last year after a breakthrough rookie year. He's a determined bloke. He's going to come off the bench for the heat. He's going to run that offense, and he's going to shoot the lights out. He will have every opportunity to put up some massive numbers. The kid's got so much potential. He's got a big chip on his shoulder, and it looks like he loves that. Really does use it as motivation. He's got some great swag off the court. And he just looks to me like he is going to be a star in this game. And that six-man role will well and truly suit him to a T. So I'm back in Tyler Hero for six-man of the year, especially with that money. Little smoky outsider. I don't mind the look of old Anthony Caruso at the Bulls as well. I think... He's going to get a much improved role there, come off the bench, great assist game, and can score the ball as well. And I'm expecting the Bulls to be much improved this year with that great roster they've put together over the offseason. So keep an eye on him as well. He's paying even more. But I do think Tyler Hero is the pick of the crop for me at the moment. So great question there, Ryan. No doubt you're counting down the days till the NBA season tips off. I believe she's 11 days away now. I can't wait myself. And hopefully you're enjoying the basketball card game, son. Keep stacking up them rookie cards. How good is the fucking NBA? Right, the second question, she comes through from old Dean Josephs, and boy, he's firing them out left, right, and center, which is bloody good to see. And on the topic of NBA, actually, he said, I've just been given fifth spot in my NBA fantasy draft taking place on Saturday. Any tips on who should be my first selection? Look, that's a bloody good question there, Dean. We actually had our fantasy draft last Friday night, which was huge fizz. And people who don't play won't understand it, but she's bloody make or break the draft. You can well and truly set yourself up for a famous win, or you can fuck yourself all in the space of one pick. And trading in many leagues is bloody hard to do mid-season. So look... To answer your question, she depends on the scoring format, to be fair. Without knowing, if you're playing head-to-head or in a roto league, the old top five really does change dependent. But for me, the top three does stay the same. I'm going with Joker, Harden, and Curry in any particular order. Doesn't matter which one. I would have Joker at one, guaranteed. But then Harden and Curry, You can switch to whatever floats your boat. Then in the head-to-head categories, I'd probably have Giannis at four. But if you're playing Roto, he falls down to just inside the top ten for me due to his shit three-throw shooting. So keep that one in mind. At fifth, I'll be looking to grab a Harden or a Curry if they fall. They did in our draft, Harden went at sixth, which was an absolute steal in my books. But if none of those two fall, you're looking at a Luca, a Cat a Dame or a KD, and I think luca he's a real shot at the MVP this year. I think he's going to take his game to yet another level, and he's already a walking triple-double, so you got to factor him into your equation. Cat, he's in for a big season. I think the T-Wolves will be much improved as well. New coach, a bloody good roster, young roster too, and I think they're going to run a lot of their offense through Cat, so he's one to keep the eye on, and I know your good friend Josh Cook absolutely stacking up his rookie cards, looking to make a penny. So factor him into your equation. Then Dame Lillard, for me, he's that best point guard outside of your Harden and Curry. So he's always a great grab and he's going to carry that Portland team yet again. And then KD, who many people have as an MVP candidate. With Kyrie, who knows what the situation is there, but if he's missing many games, then KD's value only increases further. A great scorer, eats up rebounds and if he's injury free he will well and truly be in the mixer of those top three players this year so I hope that helps you out mate you can write a few names down and see how she plays out on the night but good luck for your draft go well nothing better than NBA fantasy basketball takes up way too much of my time but boy is it good for the banter amongst the boys so go well son and rip in your next question, she comes through from an international listener, Northcote's very own Connor McGregor, the king of Ireland, Alan Benny. And he says, the first Club World Cup, who's your top four and who takes it out? And that's a bloody good question. If you haven't been paying attention to the news this morning, the Highlanders CEO, he's come out and said, that they're looking to run a club World Cup competition starting in 2004 where the best sides from the northern and southern hemispheres battle it out each year to see who is the best club in world rugby. And that's bloody exciting prospect. She's like the Champions League of rugby, and I, for a long time, have wanted to see a competition like this take place. And look, without knowing the format, you'd have to think she'd probably be like the top two from Super Rugby and every competition going through into a bit of a round robin, semi finals, and then finals. So, in regards to top four for your super rugby teams, shit, should be hard to go against the Crusaders. And I think that this competition would really add some motivation to them. They win bloody everything. And I think that this would really light a fire in their bellies and they would want to prove that they are right up there with the best clubs in the world. Then, of course, and call me biased, but the Auckland Blues, they will not lose. Coming off the back of a big Super Rugby Trans-Tasman win, and I think next year, Roger Tuivasa-Sheck, Bowdoin Barrett, that roster, extremely impressive. So I would have the Crusaders and the Blues as the top two teams coming out of Super Rugby. Then in your Northern Hemisphere footy, hard to go past Leinster. Shit, they're a good quality side. So I think that they would well and truly be in the mixer. And then I also think a bit of a surprise package. I think one of those top Japanese clubs would find their way into the top four as well. They just play a different brand of footy over there. She's fast, up-tempo, and I think that they would throw a real spanner in the works and really throw some teams off. But in the end, I think it would be Crusaders and Leinster going at it, hammering tongs in the final, and I'd probably back the New Zealand side to come away with a famous win, although many would have Leinster tipped as the favourite. So a bloody good question there. I'd love to see it happen. Hopefully she can take place, as mentioned, in 2024. would be bloody good to see these top teams go at it. And I, for one, would be well and truly fixated on the couch and tuning into that one. So hope all is well over there in Ireland, son, and see you again in Maroon and Gold in 2022. Right, next up, we have a question from young Liam Carter. And he says, what are your thoughts on that desired warrior's spine from your story yesterday with Brown playing hooker especially? And look, that's a great question. And it was reported I think from RugbyLeague.com, which is probably not the most reliable source, but they hinted that the Warriors are looking to form a spine in 2023 of Reece Walsh at fullback, Joey Manu at six, Sean Johnson at seven, and Dylan Brown, the current Parramatta seven, would play hooker for us. Which, to be fair, did have me raise an eyebrow when I first read it, but I think she has some merit, and on paper, those four names... Well and truly look like a competition-winning spine. But like you mentioned, the big one for me, Brown at nine. I just haven't seen him play it before. So I'll be bloody interested to see how he goes. But she would be the unknown out of the four. And I think he has the makings of a good hooker. Great passing game. Loves a try assist. At times, he does go a bit unnoticed in that Parramatta team. Mitch Moses does well and truly often control the results from their games he is a great half and when he runs the ball Parramatta looked like a bloody good side but Dylan Brown I really do rate him we tried to get him a few years ago from Parramatta but he'd already signed to a development contract so we were unable to grab him there I know the Warriors really want him I did think it would be in the halves but I think for me it's all about getting the best quality players available so if we can get those four together all on one team I'm all for it would love to see them chuck the checkbook at it. I do think there's a bit more merit in chasing an out-and-out hooker, and I know in 2023 there are some great options in that position. Blokes like Uppy Carousel, Brandon Smith, the Cheese, Nasi Finu, the young boy from Manly. I think Adam Finou, Blake, would have a great shot at luring him across. But hey, if Dylan Brown's the one, I well and truly back it, and I would love personally to see those four all on the same team so great question there Liam hope you have a good weekend mate and well and truly rip and then your final question she comes through from a long time listener of the show Aaron Tanui and he says what day of the week is it acceptable to start loading up on the evening dogs and look that is probably Off the back of some famous wins for our punting group, the Northcote Rooters, the other week. And look, we loaded up, as mentioned, on the Tuesday Night Dogs. As I had a couple good wins, I had a win. Scenes all round. Some dogs paying 30s were coming through. So I do think the old Tuesday Night Dogs are worth a lick. Of course, gamble responsibly, but there appears to be some great odds at those meetings out there in the rural parts of Australia. Not a lot of people gambling on them, obviously. So you can come away with some absolute steals there. So make sure you check it out. And as mentioned, only bet as much as you can afford because, shit, midweek punting, she can be an absolute nightmare (laughs) if she doesn't go your way right that's all we have time for this week hope you enjoyed this episode if not as per usual a big up yours from me enjoy the weekend of sport enjoy getting out there finally a little bit of freedom if you're out there in Auckland and if you're in other parts of the country she's she's level two footy so go about your work as per usual go well have a good one that was episode 21 how good